Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to episode number 58. In today's episode, we are going to have the replays from the Swimming for Akhira campaign webinars where we had six webinars talking about swimming for Muslim women and mental health involved as well. Today's episode is the first webinar that we had over the summer. And it was with Carly and Shanae and myself where we talked about swimming for the Muslim mom. We dived into depth of what happens, the struggles, and much more. If you're not part of the Facebook community Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, we invite that you come over and join us where we are staying active, doing free challenges, and helping each other move forward. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me at bfitforakhira at gmail.com. You can also head over to social media at bfitforakhira. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that would help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akhirah. Welcome everyone to our first webinar, part of the Super campaign. We are so excited to have you here. We have with us Carly, myself, Ola, and Shanae. Assalamualaikum. And so we will start with our introduction. Um, Sharing the screen. All right. So our topic for today is the importance of water safety and learning how to swim for Muslim mothers. Again, my name is Ola and I'm the founder of Beefness for Akhira. I am a certified personal trainer, swim instructor, and I started Beefness for Akhira in 2014 with the vision to have a stronger, more confident, and hopeful Ummah. And I'm also a podcast host of Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola. Our First speaker with here is Carly, and she's a dedicated mom of four athletic kids, mashallah, between nine and 16. She began her journey as a competitive swimmer at age eight, and she aims to provide hands-on programs, encourage, guide, motivate, and inspire female of every age and ability to engage and take a charge at their well-being and achievements at their set goals. Carly's passion for sport and competition is alive, and she will talk to us all about competition swimming and how she got into it. And then our second speaker is Shanae. She is also another swim instructor located in Melbourne, Australia. She's a river Muslim wife and mother of four boys. And she's brought up in a multicultural society. And she's also a strong believer that everyone should learn to swim, not only for leisure, but as a life-saving skill. If not for yourself, then for someone else. So, large welcome to everyone. Our objectives for the webinar today is to talk about faith and swimming, our journey into Islam and, uh, and into swimming as well. We will talk about our experiences with offering swim lessons to the Muslim communities, the importance of water safety, why it is important to incorporate it as well. And then we will talk about how to protect yourself and your children, how to get further help, and then we will have a Q&A and open discussion. So we will start with our faith and swimming. We will talk about real life stories and how we discovered Islam, 
and return to aquatic world. So I myself am a born Muslim, but I will still talk about my journey. But we will start with our sister Carly. If you can share with us, please, and how did you start your journey, uh, swimming journey and how did it all start? Um, so I grew up with a, um, uh, with a lot of exposure to water from the time that I was young. Uh, my brothers played hockey and um, I was always just, I found myself in the water. So I had a, a, a family, like a cousins of mine and my mom's actually that had an indoor pool and she was a swim, uh, lifeguard and swim instructor herself. And from the time I was very young, before they had children, I used to go there all the time. She basically just put me in the water and taught me how to swim from the time I was maybe two or three. And I just, I just couldn't, um, I just fell in love with being in the water. We had a cottage. So from May 2-4 until September, Labor Day weekend, I was in the water every day all summer. Uh, well, at least from the time school was out. And um, eventually, I don't know what, uh, uh, something prompted my dad. Uh, my boys were all, or my boys, my brothers, now my boys are. Uh, we're always on the ice playing hockey and he just prompted me to try swim team and I wanted to do it so I did and um, started swimming at the age competing at the age of eight and training um, got pretty intense very competitive uh, yeah and I just went from there since then I've kind of come full circle I gave up swimming when I was I think going into grade 10 our coach uh, was also the Canadian uh, doctor of the national swim team. So he was very rigid and strict and he basically said, you can't play any other sports. You know, you have to either commit or not commit. It was black or white for him. So I, I let swimming go on the competitive level. Um, and then, you know, I went through my adolescence um, and then in my early 20s, I became a Muslim. And I was, to be totally honest, I was detoured from swimming completely, almost from doing everything, uh, but swimming especially because it was awkward. And um, so uh, somebody approached me um, in our community here in Mississauga, Ontario. We have a very well-developed Muslim community. And um, somebody approached me to come to these uh, Muslim women and children swimming uh, programs and sessions that were available uh, with the city of Mississauga. They didn't run them, but they rented them the pool. So eventually that transpired into a private rental. And then they actually had me take that complete program over. So I've been running that program now for over 11 years. It's been 15 years running. And alhamdulillah, like it is one of the most um, progressive and established swim programs probably in Canada for Muslim women and children. So we have everything from adult level one to five. Uh, we have um, swim, uh, sorry, all the preschool, A, B, C, D. And then we've got, we call them swim for life one all the way to uh, bronze med, bronze cross. And um, we've even offered NLS. So it's, it's been fun. And then I teach Aquafit. So I'm the Aquafit instructor. That's so so it's, it's sort of came full circle eventually, even though in the beginning it was very hard to, to go swimming and feel comfortable with it. But alhamdulillah, now I've sort of found a way to make it all work. 
That's amazing, mashallah. And mm-hmm. Shanae, would you please share with us your journey of swimming and how it all started? Yeah, so um, I was introduced to the water young also. Um, my mother and my sister don't know how to swim. So I think my mother was like making sure that uh, that I was water aware and so forth. But I loved it. I loved, you know, even being in the bath, you know, as a young child. Um, so I, um, I had actually completed our local pool centre, their swim program by a young age, maybe eight or nine. But I used to only go when it was like school holiday period. So, you know, they had intense um, courses at the time and I completed that along with survival skills. Um, and so I actually still use those survival skills and teach them onto people today you know so whether it be children whether it be the women I teach um it's something that's it's remained in my mind um and and I think you know teaching and and sharing that knowledge onto other people I just I think they will keep that in their mind and hopefully even pass it on at some you know future stage um so I actually reverted at about 18, 19, about 19 years old, or, uh, years old um, just before I was married and so forth. Um, so when I had my children, I introduced them to water very early as well. I had them into swimming lessons. I used to take them to the local pools um, and then I used to get them into lessons as well. And so still to today, they, they still, um, my younger ones who are nine and 11, they're still doing swimming courses. Uh, but my other ones have sort of completed up to a squad level. I don't know, like, I know there's differences in um, levels between sort of Australia and America and so forth, but they would be at a competitive level, if, if that makes sense. Um, but they just didn't pursue it, that's all. Um, so, yeah, I, as I reverted, I actually didn't become a hijabi until about four or five years ago. So I used to wear still modest clothing, but it would be like long shorts up to the knee and, and maybe a t-shirt as such before I um, became hijab. Um, but since then, I actually have, um, it hasn't stopped me in any way. So water's still a big part of our lives. We still go to the beach. We still have holidays where it's around the pool and water sports and so forth. So I have never lost the passion for it. If anything, I sort of just strive and and revolve life around it, if that makes sense. Um, So yeah, so then I became a swimming instructor a few years ago. I, what, I do still teach preschoolers um, majority of my swim lessons. It's only because of the hours that I work or otherwise school groups. So, you know, uh, school education will include um, swimming classes generally. Um, and the schools bring through, uh, sorry, the centre brings through school groups for a couple of weeks at a time. So I'll um, teach school age children roughly up until about... 12 to 13, so it's our primary level school. Um, And so, yeah, I've also worked with children with special needs as well. Um, I find that so rewarding. They love, they love the water. 
And uh, to be a part of that, um, you know, I, it's just one of those rewarding jobs. And I think if you have the passion for it, um, you know, and sharing those moments with other people who, who have come from, you know, a five-year-old child standing in the corner of a pool not wanting to move to seeing them swimming laps within, you know, a 12-month period. It's just such a rewarding experience. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, so also my centre has um, established a women's program that I oversee. So the women come in um, and they can be even grandmother level, uh, you know, so they've got grandchildren and it's their first time learning to swim or being in the water. So providing environments to make them feel comfortable, safe is um, important because they would have had experiences from a younger age where they weren't exposed to maybe a, a swimming environment. Um, whether it be for Islamic or cultural upbringings. Um, but also having an area for women in general just to come and swim. So some who already might know of some swimming, swimming abilities and then working on their stroke techniques and so forth. So they might be able to swim on their back, but they might not be able to swim on their front. So, um, you know, just working with, you know, all different, all different um, ages and experiences is just, as I said, rewarding. So yeah, that's pretty much what I am at at the moment. Um, and so yeah, and and that's my past. That's amazing. And so the reason I have these questions because something I can relate, and I want to hear from your perspectives. So with me, it started at age six in Damascus, Syria. And like, I can never forget that moment where like a bee just came and like I had to run to chase. Like, I jumped in the water, thank God, you know, I survived. So it's an example of how important it is to learn how to survive at a young age of situations like that, where the little kid could not know how to swim. And then with me, like when I came to the United States, I only took one swimming class. I didn't, of uh, course, but I didn't do any competitive swimming. It was like too early to wake up to, to go to practice and what have you. And so with those I had very like, early. Yeah, like six, seven, like five years. Four thirty. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and like, yeah, it's point I don't have a car that time, of course I couldn't drive, so that's impossible. And then the reason I had a question for converting to Islam, like I'm born Muslim, but you know how the whole revert can be related to a lot of like born uh converts and what have you. So like I I practice like you know learn about it uh, myself and so when I wore the hijab that's actually a struggle because I took the class right before the hijab um like I made a decision for it and so it was really really hard to come back into swimming like to continue that swimming process um and the reason for that again when it came to like you know what to wear like the culture uh community members were like oh but that's tight that's you know so it was a really struggle it is. so that's why I want to talk about like how did we keep up. So the reality of being a Muslim woman in hijab in the Western society versus like the Middle East uh, or like a Muslim dominated country. So let me uh, start off again with Carly to tell us like, what have you seen from your experience, the reality of being a Muslim woman hijab in Canada? Because in Canada. Right. So, um, alhamdulillah, 
I myself, and I would say the community at large, have sort of come a long way. Um, I, I know a lot of people that I know who are like-minded like myself um, are swimming in the water and we're going to beaches and, you know, uh, those kind of things. However, there's still a large part of our community whom when I do go to beaches, I will see Muslim children in the water and the Muslim parents just on the sidelines watching because they're either scared, they can't swim, or um, I'm not sure, like they're not dressed for the water whatsoever. They could easily drown in whatever they're wearing if it's, if it's too heavy and too bulky, um, or they'd struggle in the water, I guess I should say. I won't say they would drown. But I just find that there's still, there's, there's been a lot of growth in terms of water exposure and being comfortable in the water. And there's still a lot more room to grow here as well. So thankfully, you know, we have a lot of access to um, different swimsuits and designers. Even if you go to our local Walmart, you can get some pretty decent long sleeve swim tops and long tights and cover-ups to wear. And so it's, it's affordable. Um, some people, like you said, will judge and say, no, that's still not appropriate. And you know, you can pick and choose and do what you want. You can stay between your four walls all your life. But for me, I had to stop living like that because I was, I was executing that kind of lifestyle when I first converted. But I, it wasn't fair to me. And that's the sunnah to swim, right? So, um, so yeah, so I, um, I turned a corner, especially once I started um, facilitating and coordinating this program. And as my kids are getting older and, you know, we, we go to a, a cottage every year, we go to different beaches and um, we just need to make sure that we're um, able to swim, but in a way that is safe and within our guidelines. Yes. Um, so I'm smiling because I, when you said Walmart, that was like my first ever like swimsuit from Target, one clearance. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, the yeah. sign, Allah wants me to continue swimming. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, no. <laughs> I, I bought some expensive ones. I had a Nike one given to me, um, but I, you know, I get by a lot on those uh, Walmart combos because they can have some good deals on some good things. So it works. Yes. And so, Sinead, what about you in Australia? How is that? Yes. So uh, I am sort of around a, a large um, Muslim community in the area that I live in. Um, so you do sort of find pockets of you know, um, Muslim communities throughout Melbourne um, and throughout Australia as well, um, where they'll be predominantly, you know, um, of certain cultures and so forth. But I think over the last maybe five years is where I've really seen growth for um, Muslim women, not only just um, for the swimming industry, but also physical activities. Um, you know, they're a lot more aware, um, especially sort of women my age through to, you know, the through to the next generation. So the women born in the 90s, uh, they're more aware of being um, 
active and in, more into the fitness and so forth um, compared to what it was maybe, you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, if that makes sense. Um, so I think it's, you know, it used to be hard just to find like lycra leggings with sort of something to wear that was sort of long top, but wasn't that cotton feel. It was more of a lycra feel. Um, and then um, I was introduced to Speedos and Speedos, um, Speedo Modest Wear. And that's what I pretty much, I, I, we're in isolation at the moment. Melbourne's in lockdown with the strictest regulations in the world um, due to wow. the coronavirus. And I'm still buying swimsuits. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a more variety. There's um, local shops that will have suitable swimwear, um, especially for, you know, hijabis. So it's definitely more of a, a what it's more established um, over the last few years. And I think that there is an awareness that people want to be in the water. They want to be able to feel comfortable. They want to be able to walk on the beach and, um, you know, and not be exposed to such, but not be completely covered um, to a point that, you know, that, as you were saying, that they would struggle to swim in, you know, like, so they avoid the water, but then also they've got a fear of water. So the way I saw, um, the way that I actually knew there was a need for, to, for women to swim was when people found out I was a swimming instructor, it, it actually had, I had so many conversations with women saying to me, if, if their child, you know, they'll have swimming, swimming lessons for their children or they'll take them to local pools. But if something was to happen to their child, they would have such a fear that, you know, they would watch their child in distress, but wouldn't be able to save them. Like they just wouldn't have that, you know, that urgency to get in there and to grab their child. And, to me, that was just such a, you know, profound moment that I went, wow, I, I could never, like, you know, my first instinct would be to get in there to, you know, to save my child, um, whereas their fear would actually overcome that instinct. Um, and so that's why I, I just felt like, no, we, we need, this needs to change. We need to be able to have women to be confident just to be able to be comfortable in the water they don't need to be professional swimmers but there is also so much joy to be had around water and there's so much opportunity around you know Australia as such you know we're the largest island so um you know we've got beautiful beaches and everything and you just want them to be able to share and enjoy those experiences with their children you don't want them to be having a fear or, you know, they'll say to me, they go on holidays and their husbands will be swimming around with the kids, but they'll sit on the side. You should be in there. You should be, you know, being a part of it and making beautiful memories. And yeah, that's, that just gave me such a drive to want to teach women in particular, um, just to help give them that confidence, you know, it's, it's yeah and you just don't realize how many people actually want to do it but just not having the the environments to learn or to feel safe in 
Um, so providing those places for them is, yeah, really beneficial. Yeah, so like we had Canada, we had Australia, now it's the USA time. Uh, with me, my, my experience of in the United States, one, I agree, like I'm smiling because like everything I've said, you've said, like I've experienced myself as well. So for instance, before COVID, I had a mom who came and, you know, she wants to learn how to swim. She's like, oh, like, you know, all my kids. And it's like, what about me? And it breaks my heart when I hear these stories. Like they put their kids every time, like first, 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 but then like they leave themselves at the end. And it's like, why? And then I'm thinking of the time I went to uh, Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. And so when I drove, like I was, it was me, my mom and my, my friend. And I was obviously the only hijabi like in the car the whole, with them. And then we just see a bunch of, you know, like Trump signs and what have you. So the fear started like building up within, um, within us. And so like when we got up to the beach, like I was the only hijabi there too. So like we had some fear. So I think that another reason that, and uh, like we're not to get into politics, but I think that could be another potential why some women like myself might not go to the beach. Perhaps like hearing stories, um, being afraid, being like the only one or what have you. Because, like, that's something I experienced. And so, yeah, everything you said, it's something I, in, in USA as well. And so we will go to the reality behind swim lessons for the Muslim woman. So what are the roadblocks and obstacles that we face in offering swim lessons for the Muslim communities? I will change it up a little bit right now. So the roadblocks, I only have been a swim instructor since October 2019, summer 2019. So I'm still, like, new to it. But what I've seen so far, the hard things, it's obviously, you know, space, time-wise, like renting, renting for it, the cost for it. You know how our women, they, they're not comfortable a lot in the COVID environment yet. Um, so there's like that, and they're having a lifeguard for them. Um, so I want to hear from your, both of you, uh, we'll start with Carly. What have you seen so far, like in terms of roadblocks and obstacles with swim lessons? Sure. So um, from, from the Muslim women per perspective, I found that it's the, it is very true. Um, when I first took over the program that I'm currently running, well, hopefully, inshallah, we will get back to it once COVID melts down a little bit. But uh, what I've noticed is that um, when I first started offering adult lessons because before there was no adult lessons there was just like a lane swim half the women couldn't really swim a lane anyways so i had fun swimming a lane swim and then i had all these lessons going on in two different pools so we changed it up because women started to make requests that they wanted their own lessons so what happened was in the beginning um i would maybe start with one class one adult class like an adult level one and um i would find that uh probably about eight nine years ago the women wouldn't wouldn't come back they would just put their kids in so the program that i run is i coincide within two to three hour program i run in two different pools all of it at the same time so that it's very 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 convenient Still yet our community complains but whatever it's very convenient they don't have to go to a different pool a different day different instructors it's all the same female instructors and um, it's all within a two to three hour time frame but they were not re-registering so there was like it I, I had to end up canceling some adult programs now 
like eight, nine, 10 years later, I have five classes full, full, like there's waiting lists now for women. So in the beginning, I feel like it was the whole, I can't put myself first. Um, I'm going to put my kids in first. Now, alhamdulillah, now all my classes are full for women. Same with the Aquafit. So the other, but the other big barrier for Muslim families in general is that we have to build these relationships and the and uh, bridges with the cities which we live in, and they have to. Uh, get on the same page as us in terms of opening up their community centers and allowing, um, like for example, where I live, the city of Mississauga, to give us some pool time. Yes, we rent. Yes, we pay for all the instructors. Like my contract is pretty heavy that I have with them, but alhamdulillah, it's manageable. Um, people pay for their lessons as they would with any other program. And um, we actually get I actually managed to make it so that it's even cheaper than what the city offers and they sometimes get even more. So they'll get an added 15 minutes onto their lessons so that they can do a, a, um, a fun swim that's structured and monitored by the lifeguards. So, um, so it, but that's the biggest thing because I'm the only program, we have a very, very, very huge Muslim community here and alhamdulillah very established but the problem is that th we haven't created enough of these programs and people always ask me why don't you do another one why don't you do another one the thing is that i just there's there's only one of me the program itself when it's running is like a part-time job but i also run a business and i'm a teacher and i have four kids so i can't do it um but i've told other people to do it but they just won't make that call to the pool to talk to the aquatic supervisor they just they don't have it in them so it's kind of like our own issues that we have and then it is hard to work with with the the non-muslim community for them to some of them don't some of them get us and get our needs and respect them and some don't and you can bang your head against the wall trying to talk to them they might not get it but hold your ground be firm and respectful at the same time i've i fight every year for this program to continue every year i'm in meetings i'm in this and that trying to keep this program going so it's um it's totally worth it like i i agree with uh shanae that it's it's a hundred percent worth it i love it i enjoy it and i see women who could not get in the water, have had really past traumatic experiences with water, who are now in swim for life three, or sorry, not swim for life, but adult level three, four, or five at the at the top level. We've actually now created a five plus. It's not even a level here, but we created it for our program because people are beyond their levels, the, the highest level for the adult women. So alhamdulillah, it's happening, it's going. You know, we have um, we have a lot of women in my program that are learning how to swim who would never step foot in water if it wasn't for the program. They they, they were completely terrified of the water, actually. So, alhamdulillah, it's been it's been it's been good. But there are roadblocks. But we need to push the roadblocks out of the way. They're there. We can remove them. But if we're just staying idle, it's not going to happen. I'm not a swim instructor, but there is a program in the Atlanta area run by a group called Muslimas Indoor. Oh, yes, and, yes. 
one of the things that I, they invited me as a guest. And one of the things that I remind the women is just like your faith, you can't save someone else until you've saved yourself. The water is the same way. If you can't at least swim and put a buoy out to someone else, you, you can't save your children. Just like your faith, if you don't have a basic understanding of Islam, you can't give that gift to your children. So I, I definitely, I applaud what you guys are doing because I understand what, it's, what it is to be a mom and to work and then to have that as well. I know setting up those programs is not easy at all. Alhamdulillah. Not easy, but worth it. Yes, definitely <laughs> yeah. worth it. And my, ex my experience is so different. My father is Caribbean and I've swum all my life and I couldn't, I can't fathom the pressure that some of these women feel and then to hear their stories and I have to sit back and say, wow, I've never experienced that. I've always known and enjoyed the water. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll reward you. I mean, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And by the way, everyone, Khadija will be with when our, our webinar, inshallah, next Sunday. So stay tuned. Um, cool. Thank you, Khadija, so much. Just athlete. And that reminds me of Pleasure um, Mama Foundation that I'm trying to, that I learned about in New York. Her, their story is really interesting because it started with a nine-year-old girl who drowned while saving someone else's life. And now the mom turned that story into her mission to save, you know, like to teach Muslim women out in New York about it. So it is really heartbreaking to hear all about women, like our women putting themselves last and it shouldn't be. And I think another robot that I've noticed from my experience is also the comfort level, like the confidence within themselves, the clothing uh, issue tightness and just like there's tightness i've spoken with you know someone who follows me on instagram she's like you know my age again in a university in the whole like up in new york from fear like guys watching her and she's still not comfortable around that part i'm like so it's it's a lot of that um so what can we do to inspire and to help more muslim women to swimming um aside from like offering some lessons that we do I want to hear from um, Shanae, and then actually we skipped you, Shanae. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Would you please kindly share with us what you've seen happen in Australia so far? Uh, so there's definitely more awareness um, these days uh, for the need for it. Um, so we have a number, I wouldn't say a large number. There is a small number of centres that now allows like um, just like an aqua play type, like a, as Carly was saying, like a, a fun time, um, a fun time that they actually shut down the centres. So it might be like five or six o'clock on a Sunday night and they open up for just women only um, for two hours. So women are happy just to be able to be in the water, but many of them you can notice aren't, swimmers as such so it's not like they all just get in a, a swim lane and start doing laps they are just sort of there having a little bit of a, a play you know and just drawing the water which is absolutely fine uh, but you see that there's not actually many swimming lessons as such offered in those times um, but I think one of the roadblocks as Carly was saying is that there's just not the ability to have it offered 
full time across many centres, you know. So even with the lessons that I offer, uh, there's limited times that it can be performed because, you know, I put up a, a privacy screen as such. There's no male presence around. We have female instructors. Um, and so there's only a limited time that the centre can actually allow for that to happen. But that doesn't work in with everybody's schedule for, you know, two hours a couple of times uh, a couple of times a week you know some might want it in the morning well that's not going to happen because there's other swim programs that's on at the time um some want it late at night the center's not open as such does that make sense so um i think just having the availability for more of a um you know it's not like i want to just say like discriminate against males at all but it's just you know it it's hard to find somewhere that's compromised for you know these times are for women and maybe providing half of the day for for the women or even half of the time for men you know men want to learn how to swim statistics actually show it's men who actually drown more um out of you know out of everyone uh men are, are like 75 percent higher at risk of drowning um you know for a number of factors but it's also one because they are the ones who are maybe not as strong or skilled but they'll be the ones to jump in to either save a life or you know maybe out of you know fun play and then not realize the serious yeah. situations that they can get into um so i i you know I definitely am an advocate for everyone learning to swim. It's not just women, though I am totally encouraging all women to swim. Um, however, I, I do see the need for men to have it. So being Muslims, though, um, understanding the religion and needing surrogation for, you know, both genders to be able to practice, um, it's there's just not those facilities as such. And I think that's what needs to be made more available for people to be able to give them that confidence to be able to, you know, find those air centers and, and actually feel comfort, comfortable in it and know that, you know, they, they, they're just, they're living the religion correctly but they're also learning, as you're saying, Carly, you know, swimming is sunnah. It's, you know, it's something that should be taught. Um, and so our beloved Prophet Muhammad, you know, may peace and blessings be upon him. He was, uh, not only was he encouraged from a young age um, to, you know, to learn how to swim himself, he also passed that knowledge on to fathers, uh, on to men to actually pass on that knowledge along with um horse riding and archery and so forth. So, you know, swimming, it's, it's, not, it's not like it's a new sport or anything. It's, it's something that's actually needed for as a life skill. And so um, I think the roadblocks is just not having the availability to be able to know that we are still doing it right by our, our faith um and so just being able to give those opportunities is what we need to encourage thank you so much for your insights it gave me a lot more idea um, as well 
that reminds me of lifeguards. That's another whole topic because I experienced it when I was working with um, a local Islamic school, private school. That was on the obstacles. The availability had to be around the lifeguard. So it's not just like about our time, the lifeguard's time. And then uh, another obstacle, like it would have been better if I was a lifeguard certified as well. Would have saved a lot of, you know, those issues. And then that actually is a really good segue for the next question is how can we inspire and help more Muslim women? And I think that is to get them certified as well. Because like Carly said, it's only one of us. We cannot multiply ourselves, but we can multiply ourselves by getting them certified. And then they can also take what we learned to so become their mentors. And then we mentor them how to um, go because we've been through it already. Yes. Uh, any more insights, Carly? Like, you know, how can we inspire them? Yeah, so um, Alhamdulillah, we have had one group of women go through um, with NLS. So that's your National Lifeguarding Society certification here in Canada. Um, we have had more women do the prerequisites, which are the advanced leadership courses, which here are called Bronze Medallion and then Bronze Cross. So um, a lot of girls have been waiting for these advanced leadership programs to happen because simply we can't run it. I can't throw it into my program. I used to, but there's not enough room anymore. And I don't have enough lifeguards because I have to have like eight female lifeguards over the span of two hours every Saturday night. You know what I mean? And, and it's just, we just don't, we ran out and you have to have a specialized um, certification to teach these advanced leadership courses. So, I was working with the new aquatic supervisor because there's a turnover too in management of the pools where, I, where wherever you may be, it happens. And so you have to reestablish yourself. You have to reestablish the goals that you're trying to achieve with your group. And that is our goals is to provide the city of Mississauga for where I live with female lifeguards because here it's 80% male, 20% female becoming lifeguards, Muslim or non-Muslim. Wow. Right. So we have a major um, issue with getting us female lifeguards. So I said, listen, if you're having such a hard time staffing our program, can you please, can you please get on board with me and let's get the bronze med, bronze cross. And then for those who are 16 and over to, if they've completed those to do their NLS, and then they have to go through the city of Mississauga certification as well to be a swim instructor for them. But we could do it, we can make it happen, you know, but we have to get the ball rolling. We have to get things in motion. So right before COVID, we had a meeting right before the lockdown actually and she we we were i was i had no idea it was coming the lockdown was coming neither did she and then it just literally within a couple days everything was canceled my program was canceled everything was off the board so um i feel like we have to just keep on pushing and and we have the girls when they get exposed to swimming they want to keep swimming they have, I have a, a girls that I can name off the top of my head who want to be lifeguards. And it's a great job to have as well. It, it teaches you, you know, all your first aid, CPR, you know, head trauma, um, diabetic comas, like you name it, you're learning all this stuff, spinal cord injuries, whatever, head injuries. So you're learning all this stuff for your own 
self and to help others with. And but now you can transfer this over, you can create a job out of it, and you can help our community grow. And that's what I'm trying to do. But man, it uh, the obstacles that I faced with um, pool time availability, the girls, the young girls want to do it. And I even have some, you know, girls in their 20s, who want to do it too so it's the desire is there we just need to uh, it's again for me it's working with the allies which are which are the people who work for the city here okay um really with that live girl situation like i'm smiling a lot because it's it's not easy as like it is like a lot of easy but at the same time not everyone can do all this on the strokes so like that's another like topic how to teach them the strokes correctly and then get them into it um but then Shanette, may i ask like how any final like remarks um on how we can inspire them into singing inshallah yeah so i think having the awareness that there is the um availability for you know women's um women hours or female you know female hours whether even if they're teenagers because um, I think, you know, you do have to educate the younger generations, of course. And I think that filters through to, you know, um, to the, you know, for the future, but also through their parents as well. And so it encourages them, you know, um, I think having like daughter, mother-daughter time, you know, where they can both go to, the, to swimming lessons together or, you know, have that time together not only is it a bonding experience for them, um, but having that facility that both generations can learn. Um, so definitely having the awareness that there is now the availability of these things out there for them. A lot of people, even non-Muslims, um, when they first started attending lessons at my centre, they actually were commenting on, they weren't aware that there was this, this, you know, this program was available um, and locally for them. And so, you know, as I said, it's not just about Muslim women, but women just want to be in an environment where they feel comfortable. They don't want to be at local pools and maybe feel like they're struggling a little bit or, you know, they swim a little bit and they stop and then they'll swim a little bit more and then they stop. But they feel like um, people are watching them, even though they might not be. But it's just that sense of um, insecurity that, you know, they just want to be in an environment that people are on the same level as them. Um, and so, yeah, as I was saying, it's pretty much just getting the awareness, knowing that there are people working out there, advocating for them, getting these programs out there. And um, inshallah, you know, it becomes available for the you know for the larger communities and more centers take up these opportunities because there is a need for it so you know i really think it's a matter of the centers taking those opportunities yeah. to get that out there thank you so much to both of you i i like took notes so awareness like that's something we can continue take uh, working on after you know since we're in COVID and what have you and then talk more about like lifeguard i think it's something that's really really important in my opinion and then the allies the facilitations inshallah mm -hmm. um all right so the next 
slide is how to motivate Muslim swimmers. So I know we talked about this hadith, but I'll repeat it one more time. Exactly, our Prophet Muhammad said, you know, any action which is with Ramazan Fantada, uh, except for four, walking between targets, training one's horse, playing with one wife, learning how to swim, and then learning how to swim is there. So that's something that we all should continue. And I added my story just for some sense of humor, because that's something I experienced, which is why I'm propelled forward to talk about this. Something I, um, it took one lady to tell me that I cannot become a circus instructor just with what I wear. And I proved her wrong. <laughs> um, so that's one story. Okay, so water safety and why it is important to talk about it in the Muslim communities and families and how to get started. Um, so, of course, like CDC reports says that formal swimming lessons can reduce the risk of drowning by as much as 88% among children aged 1 to 4, highest risk age group. And it takes only one moment, as we both talked about. A child or a weak swimmer can get drowning uh, at any time, you know, it takes text, fishing. And then the Red Cross believes that by working together to improve water competency, which includes swimming skills, water smarts, and helping others, water activities can be safer and uh, much more. So from your experience, like when you talk about swimming to the Muslim communities, how is their perception? I want to hear you know, your perspectives on that topic. Go ahead, Shanae. Yes, go ahead. Sorry, can you repeat that a little bit? Can you repeat yes, that again? Sorry. I will. And there's not ask that question. So from your experience, when you talk about water safety, and talking about it like on land, you don't have to be in the water right away. How is the perception from the Muslim moms in Australia? Uh, no, uh, fearful, um, I would say, um, but it's just not having that knowledge. So uh, when I run programs, I ensure that uh, floating is Things, um, floating, treading water or, or sculling, yeah, so sculling, treading water. Um, in our pool centre, yeah, actually, it's not a deep pool as such, so it's only the deepest is one and a half metres, so giving them the confidence that they can touch the water at any, touch the bottom of the pool at any time makes them comfortable, but it's also deep enough to be able to teach them those skills, those, you know, those water safety skills. Um, so treading water or sculling, I, I think is not just a life-saving skill. It's just a, a great skill to have even leisurely because there's times when you can be on the beach or in the water. And even if you're up to your knees or your waist, as you walk along, you notice those pockets, you know, and all of a sudden the, the sand comes out from underneath you and it just sort of dips down and you sort of, you know, fall into it. But if that's happening and you you get a shock by it, panic can set in. So not being able to get yourself out of it and just as a matter of learning how to lift your body up to keep your the head out of water to give you that a chance to breathe, um, having that skill just alone is, you know, encourage enough to be able to say to them, no, you need to learn these kind of things, you know. Um, you don't need to necessarily be perfecting um, technique strokes or anything like that. 
but treading water or sculling will move you to different parts of the pool or beach. Does that make sense? Um, it's a joyful way to get from A to B. Um, and also it is a, a matter of rescuing and so forth. You know, if you accidentally fall off a pier or a bridge or off a boat or anything like that, that's what's going to save you. Does that make sense? Even working it in conjunction with the treading water or sculling and floating, working them in comp uh, combining them together. So I actually teach women how to scull and then get into a floating position to be able to save that energy um, and then get themselves back upright vertically to be able to continue sculling. Um, so these are all things that I find are important to be able to teach. Pretty much, you don't need to be at a particular skill of swimming to be able to learn those water safeties. And I think having those kind of abilities is what will give you the confidence to be able to enjoy a day at the beach and so forth. So um, I think it's, it's a matter of just having the awareness of it and the ability just to do basic, um, basic life-saving skills, if that makes sense. Yes, um, Carly, do you have any insights about this um, question? How, why is it important? How can we get started with it within our communities? Gets, so if somebody's not, somebody who wants to learn how to swim, how can they get started with swimming? Yes, and why is it important for us to like, talk about it uh, within our communities? I know we touched base, water safety. Yeah. Um, other insights. Yeah, so I think it's very important for a few reasons. Um, I feel like parents have this natural um, ability to sort of, uh, whether it's a, a good trait or a not so good trait, but they sort of, um, whatever they're feeling, sort of they can spread it over their children. So if, if I know parents who have extreme fear of their kids in the water or being around water and that water's bad and water's, you know, lots of things that are not good, maybe because they had some post-traumatic experiences or maybe it's because that's what they heard growing up. I'm not sure, um, but I feel like um, people need to start with the right mindset and um, for those people anyways, there's, there's, there's different groups of people within our community. So for the people who are, I don't wanna say anti-water, anti-swimming, but like they just have this really, um, this fear that's not really um, rational, it's not really legitimate um, to a certain extent, because if you understand that you, water can be dangerous, but if you take on the ability to learn how to swim, even if it's just for survival, water can be very fun and you can enjoy it. So that mindset has to shift. The other thing is that I, I work with a lot of people who are just in love with the water and have so much joy in the water and they're already enthusiastic and they're very grateful for the opportunities that they're given in the water. And um, I, I think that for those people, they just need to keep pushing forward and stay engaged and, and continue to spread the word that, um, you know, wherever these programs are available to make use of them and to support them 
and um, yeah, so there, there, I don't really see, there's probably a lot of people in between those who are not, they need to, they need a message too. They need to become engaged um, more with their children in the water, I think. Um, I do see a lot of people sort of on the, on, on the sidelines of the pool or the beach where their children are in the water. And like Shanae mentioned earlier, these people don't have any ability to help or save their kid if they need to help or save them. And I personally don't know how they manage that because I, I just, I've never, I've been really fortunate enough to have always been a relatively strong swimmer. So I can't imagine not knowing how or barely being able to swim, what it must feel like because to save a kid or to save a, an individual, even if you're a strong swimmer, you can still drown. It's like, you're, you're, you don't understand. Like it's very easy to drown. Even if you're a strong swimmer to save one, if you don't have a flotation device. So um, you need to be, you know, people need to be on their toes a little bit more for those who are sitting on the sidelines, watching their kids swim at a, a place where there's no lifeguards present. Um, they need to be a little bit more aware of the fact that they should be leading by example. And um, yeah, just trying to understand that yes, water can be dangerous, but if you approach it in the right way, just like anything, it can also be uh, very beneficial and enjoyable. Thank you so much to both of you. So I, um, I'm gonna come from that angle of like, you know, I'm not an Adam kids yet, but I've spoken with moms, and so like one mom said to me, you know, because I come from like the mindset of like I want to host workshops and what have you as I'm developing, um, growing the business. And so one mom said, "Yeah, but all like you know, I know how moms are. They're not gonna come to the workshop. They need a water." But we talked about the obstacles that comes with renting space and time and all the hassle behind it. And so I am hoping that this can start a conversation of, okay, we can still talk about water safety on land. And I think COVID is like a big sign that's like wake up for us, talk about it right now yeah. on land. And then number two, um, you know, growing up, going to college here in, in USA, I've always attended like, you know, lectures, halakas, all the Islamic talks. And it's important for us, but I think our community should now really kind of bring swing back. And now we just, mention how it is from the Sunnah, then why do we keep not talking about it? And then number three, I had someone who reached out to me saying, thank you so much for like, you know, talking about this. I've always grown up in this mindset, household, what have you, that it's like haram or like, you know, muharram or what have you. Yeah. You know, when I get in the whole halal haram debate, but we, we all know what we're talking about, like, you know, what, what kind of communities we're coming from. And so, that's why this is so important for me to bring into the discussion that it's, it is from the Sunnah, we established that, so then we should like bring it back into the conversation. And then number, you know, we also brought the discussion of how it is hard for us. And then, um, yeah, I lost my thought, but exactly the mindset, the, like we should be more open-minded to it and not close it and under the rug. And so, the next thing is, what can we do to protect yourself and your children? Um, of course, even if lifeguards are present, it's important to be water washer, water safe, and um, empower our women into it, and our men, of course, but women right now, and then teach children to always ask permission to go into the water. 
that you know your conversations has been reminding me a lot of pleasure um, memorial foundation when i spoke with her you know it is personal but the same thing like she said no Ola, water is like not as safe as people think it is it's something that we need to be really like careful about and the whole anxiety around it and so it is really important to take precautions for the water environment that we are in so fence pool to be fenced the spas um, at the beach always swim a lifeguard always swim a buddy and then of course we have to talk about this but don't use alcohol drugs and then wear a U.S. Coast Guard approved lifeguard. And these are coming from Red Cross um, resource. And then go get some lessons. Mm -hmm. So now we are open to Q&As. Our audience, please feel free to ask us questions. We are here to answer them for you. Um, just use the chat button and then you're ready. So where can you find myself? Uh, you can email me at bififorakhira at gmail.com. Carly, you can um, in-home postics, social media as well. And then our sister, Shanae, Shanae Hussain, uh, at yahoo.com, at ADU. So does anyone have any questions? I just want to say thank you. Um, and also as mm -hmm. swimmers to teaching people to have a healthy respect for the water. Um, one of the, the biggest problems that I've seen is that Muslims who do know how to swim don't demonstrate all of the safety precautions that they should take. Um, I've been swimming since I was two years old and I've been laughed at because um, if I'm open water swimming, I swim with a can strapped to my waist. I learned as a child, even the strongest swimmer can get pulled by an undertow. Just like mm -hmm. you said, if you're saving someone else, you can drown saving someone else proper way is to use a can or to use uh, something, give them something, don't physically use. So um, like I said, once again, I applaud you guys for one, taking on the, the responsibility and being examples of water, one, learning how to swim, enjoying the water and having a healthy uh, respect for the water. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Khadija. We do have a question. Gina asked, um, thank you, welcome, Gina. She said, Shanae, excuse me, uh, I was wondering what you meant by spelling and how does that work in the water? Just curious what it meant. So interesting. So it is for you, Shanae. I'll let you answer it. Uh, sculling, is it? Yes. Uh, so what you meant by yeah, sculling? Uh, so sculling is uh, moving your feet and your hands, uh, giving you the ability to cause a, a downward pressure to be able to elevate your body up so your head remains out of the water so you can actually breathe. So uh, causing a downward motion with your hands and moving your feet within a circular motion, whether it be like a bicycle paddle or egg beaters going sideways, it actually gives you the flotation to be able to keep your, your body up and out of the water to be able to breathe. Uh, you know, the only thing you need to do is keep at least your face, your, at least your nose and your mouth out of the water to be able to survive, um, you know, for survival purposes. Uh, so sculling is actually your hands 
the movement is the name of it, um, but treading water is that whole motion. So if you're not able to touch the bottom of a pool or the beach or any surface, you know, lakes, rivers, whatever it may be, if you cannot touch the ground, uh, keeping those, your hand motions and your feet motions moving uh, will give you that ability. And, and that's what sculling is. Yes, and it's also like a drill that we use in the water as well, yes. So she asked another question. Um, what is your favorite thing about swimming? And if you could do, choose one thing, what is your primary motivation to be a swimmer? Let's start with Carly, uh, and then we'll go to Shannon and I'll go to myself. So Carly, what is your favorite thing about swimming? My favorite thing about swimming? Yes. Oh gosh. Well, I think now, uh, okay. So from, from a facilitator point of view, my favorite thing is like the blessings of giving women opportunity and having women come to me and, and say, thank you for doing this because I would have never learned how to swim in my life if this was not happening. And they come with their children and their girls are also learning to swim in my program. So from that point of view, that's the best thing for me is the reward that I feel and um, the appreciation that, I've, I, that I'm given. For personally, I just love now that I'm not a competitive swimmer. Um, uh, when I was a competitive swimmer, it had to be the fitness because I was in incredible shape when I was swimming. Um, but now it's the, the pleasure that I have with my kids in the water and my friends who also swim in the water. We, we are, whenever the summer months are happening here, we are around the water as much as possible. And that's where we, that's where we go when we want to get away from everything. And, um, having fun in the water is just whatever, whether we're boating, swimming, cliff jumping, I mean, something, we're just attracted to it that, that brings us together and gives us some relief from the city life and the heat. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for me, it's just essentially like what motivates me about swimming. It's being by myself, you know, like my little bubble. Um, she, the follow-up question to that is, what is your motivation to be a swimmer? That's a really good question. Um, I'll let myself go and I'll go back, back backwards. So my primary motivation to be a swimmer, I don't know, I think it's the competition mindset of it. Cause like once you're in the water, you kind of like, well, I want to get better. And like what I went through to become a certified swim instructor kind of build that like competition mindset. So that is like my motivation is just kind of like improve myself and like that I can get better and then I enjoy it as well. So Shanae, uh, what, what is your primary motivation? motivated to be a swimmer um it's it's difficult to say a motivator yeah. <laughs> because i've or i already am and i don't actually yeah. see myself as a competitive swimmer i never have been i wasn't um i wasn't in that kind of mindset um however i just love the feeling of being able to not touch the ground we are so used to walking on land and when you get in the water and you are not touching the ground and you can feel the water embedded around you just holding you up 
I think is such a, it's an amazing feeling. SubhanAllah, the, the power of what water can do is beautiful. Um, and that's that feeling of just that lightness and it's sort of like a superpower, you know? If we could fly, we probably would, you know? Like, so it's, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's such a different feeling to just walking around on your feet all the time. Um, being able to sort of hold yourself in a bed of water um, is kind of like, it's a wonderful feeling. And that's what gives me the joy. That's what gives me the passion. So um, even as I'm teaching people, you'll generally tend to find me swimming alongside with them, you know? So as they're swimming, I'm swimming with them. I won't just necessarily walk around just because I'm in the pool, you know, and even though I'm with people, um, you know, it's great to be able to do that kind of activity together. So that is definitely my motivation. Yeah, you said it like so well. So, uh, Carly, I think we already answered, right? Your motivator? So, sorry? Did, we, did, um, did I give you a chance to answer? What's like your current motivator to be a swimmer? So for anyone who perhaps... I think I answered that. I don't remember that being the question, but I think I can't... Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I did. Yes, yeah. Okay, we have a really good question. So thank you everyone for asking and you're welcome to everyone that has been asking. Uh, so Khadija asked, or do you have any advice on initial steps to starting a program in our area? Um, either one. So I think like I'm not very experienced with this. I'm gonna leave it to both of you, please. What advice on initial steps to starting a program would you give? On starting the actual programs? Yes. So like how you got started with offering swimmer for the program. So would you elaborate on that question, Khadija, please? Um, so if someone wanted to start a swim program um, in their area, what would be the best way to, to, to start uh, to start the program? It seemed like as from the conversation that I heard, the first thing is to actually speak with the community before yeah. you even talk about pool time and, and that type of thing. It seems like it's a kind of a political PR <laughs> task before it becomes a, a swimming task. I would honestly, sorry, I'll take the lead on this. I would be having that open discussion with the center or centers that you intend to be able to run with. Um, as I mentioned before, um, for as much as I'm all about Muslim women swimming, I'm also for women swimming as well. So you'll find that even though, you know, um, there's a number of Muslim women who, who struggle with this challenge. There's also women in general who have had different cultural upbringings or different religious upbringings that actually are in line with um, Islam. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that they've faced the similar challenges um, or someone has had a traumatic experience in the past. And they, as they've got older, they're ready to overcome that um, that that fear. So I wouldn't be limiting it. If you are going to run a women's session, I would put it out there. It should be for all women. Mm -hmm. And maybe having that discussion with the centre first is your first objective. So, yeah. So, 
you know, that's my perspective on it. But yeah, Carly, if you would have any, yeah, you might have more. I, I agree with women's only um, or women and children. Um, we have boys up to the age of seven in our program. Once they hit seven, they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always been that way. And I've never changed the rules since before, uh, since I started running the program, but I would say to keep it open, but in terms of really getting that, that will come, but in terms of getting the groundwork done, you do need to set up meetings with the supervisors at the community center. You need to build a rapport. Um, you need to create awareness that there is a demand for this. Um, there, they make money off of us. Like uh, our program um, is a good program in terms of being profitable for the city of Mississauga. That that so they need to understand that you know you will. You, you, you want to create maybe just an hour to start with, start simple, maybe just have a few beginner classes, an adult beginner and a couple of children's beginners and maybe a preschool class and start with that and build on that mm-hmm. and say, is there an hour a week um, where we could have a time slot where we, you could provide me with female lifeguards, um, one, two, or three maximum within that hour, you'd have to be running maybe two half hour classes or uh, one full hour and whatever. You work out the, the, the schedule, the schematic, right? It's schematic is a lot of work, especially as your program grows, right? Um, but start simple and build on that. Then you figure out what the cost is, And then you divide that by however many, so if you're going to do 10 sessions to start, you figure out how many, how much it is per session times it by 10. You divide that to figure out how many people you need to make the class or the program pay for itself. Yeah. So you just have to first get in there, get a meeting going, see if you can, uh, create a time. If they can't help you, Kate, can you send me to a pool that could provide this for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And and don't stop. You have to be extremely persistent. They call it a community center for a reason. It's for the community. It's not just for certain people. It's for everybody. Everybody. So you need to make sure that that is um, known and that you are aware that this is your right um, and it's a private rental. And if you're willing to pay, they're going to profit off of it. They're going to make money. I mean, we have a really heavy contract, you know, uh, but we can make it work. We make it work. So I, I would say that just go into it um, in a way that you're confident enough to know that you, you can make this work and that they, you want to work together with them and you want to build a program um, where there is a demand in your area and you, you can tell them there is a demand for it, you know, and see if they can give you an hour a week and then go out and set up your registration, have them fill out the forms and pay their fees before the program starts. That's a problem. That is a problem. (laughs) That is a problem in our community. Okay. So make sure they pay before the program starts this is very important yeah 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 and I, I like the fact that you're saying all women because I know I'm not sure where you live but I know in Atlanta you you know have issues with like body shaming yeah um, women feel just more comfortable around uh, I've had women. I've had like just like Christian women I've had um Sikh women Hindu mm-hmm. Chinese swim in my program 
We also have a few girls with um, uh, Down syndrome who swim with us as well. So uh, it's it's very our program's really diverse. Like we have everybody from everywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much to Carly and Shanae. And our next question is, can you please elaborate some things regarding swim dress sizes? Is that all right if we get Muslim modest swim dress are of big size? Um, so I will share with my experience so far. Uh, swim size, dress size. I am not comfortable swimming in like loosely clothes anymore. I can't, it's just hard, the whole drag part of it. So I get my size. Um, so that's like, I don't know, like, but that is like the answer to that question. The next question is, um, is, it right, is it all right if you get modest swim dress or of big dress? I'm not answering the question to be honest, but um, I just find it really difficult to swim in a looser, larger size clothes. So Shanae and Carly, what are your experience on that part? Go ahead, Shanae. I, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so for example, um, I'll use Speedo as an example, uh, because they are worldwide known. Um, with their modest swimwear that is available that I purchase, there is a tunic, um, and there's leggings. There is also a swim dress and there is swim pants. So personally, my preference is a tunic with leggings. Now the tunic will be a one piece at the top, long, um, long sleeves. It covers my bottom and it comes up to mid, about the middle of my thighs and then it's the leggings. I find that to be modest. Um, I, I do, it, it is sort of uh, on point. So if you're a size, well, we go sort of by sizes eight to sort of, you know, 16 here, but it might start at zero to 10 maybe in the US. Um, I don't know if I've got those correct or not. That's when I did Google searches of sizes. Um, but for example, if I'm a size 12, I will purchase size 12. I'll find that it's fitted, but it's not too loose and it's not too tight. Um, however, if I wanted to wear something a little bit looser. So that's what I would wear for the tunic and the leggings in the pool when I'm instructing, when I'm swimming, when I know I'm swimming with the family, that's what I choose to wear. If, for example, I wanted to go to the beach and know that I'm just sort of kicking back on the, on the sand, not really planning on swimming too much, if that makes sense. It's more that I'm just ready if I have to be. Um, I would get the Speedo swim dress, which comes closer to like above the knees and you could get the swim pants. So uh, they're, a they're not fitted like the leggings around the ankle. It's a little bit looser. So they're, they're pants as such. Um, but if you were to do swimming lessons with me, you know, you would just find that if you wear swim pants, and this is just in general, you will find your kicking to be a lot more difficult to perform. So having that continual motion, um, if you're wearing something that's got a little bit of a bagginess to it, once it's wet, you will find it's, it's, it will slow down your, your kicking as such. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. 
definitely, if you know you're going to the beach and you just want to be comfortable that you want to put your feet in the water, you want to go up to your knees, you want to just sort of be, you know, in swimwear attire, but something that's still modest, I would definitely go with sort of the longer dress, um, the dress and the pants. But otherwise, if I know I'm out, I'm swimming for, you know, I'm swimming for the day from breakfast to dinner, <laughs> and I'm going with my tunics and my leggings. <laughs> I hope that helps. Sorry. It's a, and then Carly, what about you from your experience? I'm, I'm the same as Shanae. Honestly, I'm the same. Um, but somebody had asked about hijab. So I'll move on to that one. Hijab should be swimsuit material as well. It shouldn't be cotton because it'll weigh you down and it'll, it, it can really be, um, confining and inhibiting you from swimming properly. Um, you want to make sure that you have a shorter hijab, I find. If it's long, then it, it just, it, it can be dangerous. So uh, for me, I wear a swimsuit that has a built-in bra and it is, so it, I don't need the long to cover as much. And yeah, but I definitely, it needs to be lycra material and it can't be really bulky. Otherwise it can be hazardous. So be careful. Thank you so much for mentioning that safety. That's exactly why um, it's so important to like safety wise. And like now Lyra is just releasing new hijab. Um, I tried both of them. It's a bit like tight up here. So that was like you know, super comfortable. Uh, and then also- That's everybody's, everybody has that issue. It's not just you. Oh, no, no, yes, like I'm saying, because they just got a new, a new line. And then um, Asia Sport is something I like. And then Splash Gear has a great hijab, and it's mm -hmm. found on some outlets. So I recommend that you check out these brands that I'll mention mm -hmm. for hijab-wise. And then there was a really good question that I cannot find it. Um, if you see it, please, like, read it as well. Um, There's something about swimming on your menzies. Men Oh, I don't know if that was what was that that just came up like is it possible well I mean that's something that I actually I want to see your perspective and I will ship them okay <laughs> so uh, what I usually tell I get this question all the time yeah all the time and um you know for me it's a personal choice if you are not comfortable wearing a tampon then you probably shouldn't get in the water especially if it's heavy if it's the end or the beginning where it's very light sometimes because of the coldness it stimulates your uterus to contract therefore the bleeding can stop if it's light so sometimes it's not an issue it depends where you're at in your cycle but if it's heavy if you're not comfortable wearing a tampon, don't get in the water. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's not sanitary. Yeah. you answer that next? If you have any perspectives. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. It is a personal choice. Um, I, I'll find that I will generally um, be advised when sort of those cycles are about to occur. So. Um, so, you know, not to sort of expect people to come to their swim lessons, and that's fine. Um, personally, yeah, if you are not comfortable wearing the equipment to be able to, you know, support that kind of cycle, um, then, yeah, 
give it a miss. Give it a miss. Um, I don't know, but to be honest with you, I don't know sort of the Islamic teachings about it. I know culturally people are advised that they shouldn't be in water on the, in those periods. Um, but you also have to think there are people who are instructors and can't sort of take a week off every four weeks from their centres. So you've got to think it is possible, but it is a personal choice. And so for me, it's a bit difficult to talk about like publicly and uh, because I'm not married. So for me, it's like a, that, that part when it comes to culture, like, People are telling me like like I've grown up in that mindset like, don't don't use it you know for that reason and I don't know what and then there are other Muslims who are like it's okay to use a tampon I'm talking about tampon ways um, and so there's like that part but she says for us Muslims um, so like you know from married women perhaps could be a different situation but like that is a whole different topic of like the unmarried girls in our community is like do we allow them do we not allow them and that's the, uh, it's very cultural. Exactly. So as I'm like smiling, grew, this is like so hard to I grew up very non-Muslim. Yeah. Uh, listen, I was, uh, I hit puberty before I stopped competitive swimming. Guess what? I couldn't just not always go in the water. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, and guess what? It did not affect me at all. If you know what I'm talking about, I'll just leave it there. It did not ha affect me. People are so uh, obsessed almost with this whole idea of what it does. And it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. So that's why I'm um, like, it's a good question. And I'm just sharing like from. It's a good question. It is a good question. It is. But uh, I think people need to let go of um, some of the cultural impressions and stigmas that are attached to using mm -hmm this type of thing, uh, whether it's a cup or a tampon or whatever. I just think people need to get educated a little more because it's not factual. It's not factual at all. Um, I'm living proof and I know girls who, for example, that are very, 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 very active. This thing can happen. Uh, I, like, I know what's happened to somebody from cliff jumping where they have had something occur where they think that's what happens when you wear a tampon and it doesn't happen when you wear one but um it's just people just need to let that go a little bit and stop worrying about um girls and thinking that people are going to get the wrong impression or whatever just it's yeah <laughs> thank you so much to Carly and Shanae for your time for answering the questions. Thank you everyone that has come to attend this um, live. We will have the replay added inshallah after the campaign is over. And we have a webinar tomorrow. I believe at the time, 3 um, p.m. my time, 4 p.m. my time with Splash Gear. Um, and then we also have one on Sunday for the kids in the community. And then the Wednesday we have mental health because that was brought up with the body image struggle with um, Abby Fish, and then inshallah next weekend we have Women in Africa, and then finish off with uh, triathletes. Khadija was one of them that will be Mashallah. as a guest speaker next weekend. So thank you so much for kicking off the campaign with me. Have a wonderful Friday. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, everyone. It was it was a pleasure.
Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining and thanks for having us. You're welcome. Assalamualaikum. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong. Be fit. Be fit for akhirah. Oh,